Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show and pulled a little hair, a bang here off of my eyelashes, which is one of those things that happens to you when you wear the big eyelashes. Um, I wanted to record outside today. I just kept getting the sense that that was the right thing to do with my sweet peas, which are still blooming. And I'm so grateful. It's like the end, almost the end of October and they're still blooming. The veil is thin and I want to talk about death and dying. <laughs> I swear this podcast isn't about grief, but quality of grieving is quality of life. And I have a lot of experience. Um, I don't know if I want to say, unfortunately, it's just part of my life experience, uh, loving people and um, releasing them as ancestors, which is kind of how I like to say it now is that the day people become an ancestor uh, from being on the earth plane and your loved ones are definitely, I believe, as available as your breath. Um, in many ways, when my grandmother became an ancestor, I felt like I got to be even closer to her. Uh, one of my favorite things about that relationship was when I realized I didn't need my mother to be my uh, bridge and my enabler to that relationship with my grandmother, that I got to have an independent relationship with her. I believe our relationships are dyads, um, meaning like a family is a series of dyads. It's like me and my future spouse, me and each of my children, each of my children with one another and my future spouse and the family pet, right? Like all of that. It's not, and the culture is like how we all work together but each dyad has to find their own harmony. And um, so really leveling up that relationship when I was 31, I can't believe that's how long it took, uh, when I went to visit her by myself, just the two of us, and I was really going through it. Um, I had, I traveled across the country. I just lost a job. Uh, I was working at a plus size resale clothing store, which um, the owner decided to close. Um, it was one of those moments where I realized I cannot care more about someone's business than they care about it. Um, and that's really what taught me, Bevan, you have to be self-employed forever. <laughs> the working for other people is not the way. Um, and being kind of unmoored with that, those hours to work and the income to come in and all of the things that came along with having that job. On top of that, um, my girlfriend, the Virgo butch who called me a messy Marvin, that girlfriend broke up with me. And so I was like, I need to go on a road trip. And I got this ad for my blog. That was exactly how much money I needed to put gas in my Prius. I had a Prius at the time to drive to my grandmother's and back. She lived in Palm Springs. I lived in Brooklyn, New York. And, um, and then I got another blog ad, thank goddess, um, that covered enough for a couple of hotel nights, but it turned out like I can stitch hearts all throughout this beautiful continent, just staying with people I loved. And that was such a beautiful trip. And I had just seen my father and his father, my grandfather. Um, and then right after that, I went to go see uh, my first love, um, who had just gotten sober about a year before and just got back in contact with me right before I left on this trip. And I was like, oh, hey, do you want to get tacos and sit on the beach? Let's reunite. Um, and so after having seen that person, um, I then went to my grandmother's in Palm Springs for three days. And oh, that I wish I could make that trip longer. <laughs> you know, like it was just such a good visit and a good way to create intense intimacy with her. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, and then she passed few years later, um, probably five or six years after that, seven years, I don't know, I was like 37 or so. And um, math's not my strong suit, but heart matters are. And when she became an ancestor, I think I, she, I was so close to my grandmother, there were no secrets between us when she passed. And um, 
she like now is closer than my breath and I have this strong relationship with her. And I wanted to talk about funerals just because um, my aunt recently passed away from lung cancer. Um, I did a solo episode a couple episodes ago about um, my experience with cancer as a cancer caregiver, because that was just that experience of aunt Sherry being diagnosed with lung cancer reminded me of all of that stuff. And I was like, there's somebody out there who needs my experience, um, strength and hope about that. Right. So, um, but now like the funeral has come and gone and it's really made me contemplate how I feel about funerals. Um, I've lost, I want to say it's hundreds of people by now, but it's definitely dozens and dozens. And I refuse to count. Like it's just too overwhelming. Um, I sometimes get overwhelmed this time of year with day of the dead offerings and things like that. Cause I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, and also cause I get, you know, my, my intentions are always greater than my actions. And so sometimes I get a little overwhelmed with like, oh, I meant to do this big altar and I couldn't even get marigolds. You know what I mean? And I just like gave up because I got too perfectionist about it. And I realize now, like, I just need to set it up in a way that makes it easy for me every year. And in many ways, I just kind of want to have a working, uh, ancestor altar always and just have the photos of my loved ones there. And I was kind of doing that when I lived in Los Angeles, like I had a whole wall of people who had passed. Um, because I really like to feel them still with me um, and continue that relationship because I don't think the relationship ever goes away. I think once you have love with someone, even someone who doesn't, you can't even be in relationship with anymore in the earth plane because they don't like, they're constantly violating your boundaries or whatever reasons, like you have to cut things off. Like, I still think that relationship still exists. Um, and we're always like, as I get um, more revolutions around the sun and experience more than I experience more intimacy with people. And I kind of understand them more. Right. Um, but so I've had lots of opportunities to go to funerals and I've had lots of funerals that I have attended and I've had lots of, uh, funerals that I haven't been able to attend. And I have lots of people who have passed who did not have a funeral and there wasn't a funeral for them. So I've got this kind of gamut of experiences and I have some pretty strong opinions about me as an empath and how I experience funerals. The first funeral I ever attended was my stepmom, Liz, who passed away when, or who became an ancestor when I was seven, not 17, 19 years old. Um, I only met her when I was 11. So I only got this like beautiful eight years with her. There's so much I would do different knowing what I know now um, in my life and becoming a hairdresser and moving in with her and my dad for a while is definitely one of those things I wish I had done, but I wasn't brave enough to go along with uncertainty and I wasn't brave enough to put off college. Um, and that's all right. Like my life is how it is. And I truly believe we're on the path that we choose and we have free will choice. Um, but I could have been an aerobics instructor 20 something years ago and I was not. So it's all right. It took me till I was 37. I started my aerobics class one month after my grandmother became an ancestor almost to the day. So it was definitely like time for me to finally do that thing. Um, so my stepmom passed. It was very sudden. She was only 48 years young. Um, and it was devastating to me. And I didn't even know how to process those feelings and going to her funeral. First of all, my mom offered to come to my, come to the funeral with me. And I truly regret not taking her up on that because I, if I had had her there to protect me, I would not have been further traumatized by my dad who like I counted on to protect me and just didn't have any regard for my feelings or my sensitivities and how I could be, you know, like he just wanted things to be the way he wanted them to be. And, um, I didn't know how to say no, you know what I mean? Like they did a lot of, you know, my stepmom was, uh, many things and she was a great love for many people. There was a huge turnout for her funeral and it was very 
beautiful to see how many people came to honor her. Um, and she also rolled with a lot of hell's angels, which is like a really different energy, like the biker energy. I love it and I appreciate it. I love freedom. Um, but like, it's also a lot of real hard drugs. Um, and at the time I wasn't even okay with cannabis because I'd been sold a lot of lies about like what cannabis was. And I was very much under the veil of purity culture in those ways. Um, and so like, I was just like, not okay to be in the house when all the hell's angels like came over, you know? And my dad was like, and I stayed there. And another regret is not like just asking my dad's parents if I could just go stay at their very peaceful home that did not have a bunch of bikers in it smoking weed. You know what I mean? And like, and probably doing other hard drugs and drinking, which was just all was too much for me. You know what I mean? Like just, I needed a tender space for my tender feelings. Um, And my dad's mom is someone who I experienced abuse from as a child. Um, I still like can't believe how she treated me when I was three and four years old. Truly cannot believe that anyone would treat a three or four year old like that. And even still, she had like a very, she was very tender and compassionate with me at the service when I was like breaking down. Cause like, I just didn't want to go see the body. Like they were doing this thing where they were going to see her body. And I was like, I don't want to see her like this. And she said, you don't have to just come over here and sit down. So it's interesting how someone can be horrible and also compassionate and like people can contain multitudes. Right. Um, so that funeral was very traumatizing for me. Um, I did not know how to deal with that grief. I tucked it away and I would cry every time I talked about my stepmom. And it's interesting because now I process grief in such a different, more wholehearted way where like, yeah, I cry sometimes when I think about people, but most of the time I don't. Most of the time I just have love and reverence for the experience and love that I had with that person. And um, I roll into acceptance of what has happened because a lot of grief is like the experience of change. Um, and we're not taught how to bravely step up to uncertainty we're taught um we're taught to be kept safe as we're growing up instead of being brave with the experience of life and um if there's one thing that i can give my future children it's just this like bravery around the unknown because the unknown is the only thing we really know right there's nothing that is actually uh for certain tomorrow like given the state of our uh global climate like you could wake up tomorrow and your entire house is flooded and gone you could wake up tomorrow and there's a wildfire that has just wiped away your whole neighborhood and you have nothing that's the experience of a lot of people in canada this summer that's the experience of a lot of people in greece this summer you know and like all over the world and it's just going to happen more and more uncertainty is the only thing we know for sure um so anyway grief is a lot of like how can i grief is love with nowhere to go um but like i think i've learned how to channel that love you know what i mean in a really beautiful way that works for me and everyone loves differently and everyone grieves differently and i just hope that what you get on my podcast more than anything it's my hummingbird friend um is just uh, that you're okay and it's okay for you to feel your feelings and it's okay for you to grieve in your own unique way and mine is just one of eight billion ways of grieving but i hope that you find something in what i can offer you as a teacher and a friend, um, in my words, um, I'm never going to get a perfect, I'm just going to do my best. So that first funeral was traumatizing. And then like the more funerals I went to, the harder it got, you know what I mean? I'm just like this little empath bubble at the time. I had no spiritual hygiene practices. I did not know what I was doing. Um, I did not know how to protect myself. I was just in a crowd, which crowds are already hard for me. And now that I've realized more and more, oh, I really just am, have to be so judicious about what crowds I'm willing to be in. And it's very few. Um, 
and like this is all pre-global pandemic but even still now still it's like even more judicious about like what am I willing to risk my health and the health of my community to do like it's got to be a full fuck yes in order for me to want to do it um so crowds and then feelings big feelings big sad feelings like that are really hard to get away from you know what I mean like my shields need to be up 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 and my vibration needs to be up 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 in order for me to be at a funeral type thing right um so that's something I know now, like uh, looking back on all these funerals I went to and just realizing, oh my God, what a stressful experience for me. No wonder I didn't like that, you know? And um, and then a lot of times, many, many, many of my friends have uh, chosen to end their lives via suicide. And that is also a form of trauma, right? Like a friend making those choices. Um, and I think I, I have a lot of values and ethics around body autonomy and people's choices around their lives and how they want to live and whether they want to live. Um, and a lot of those deaths are so sudden and so tra traumatizing for everyone around that they don't get memorialized at a funeral. And one of the most beautiful funerals and memorials I've ever been to is for my friend, Purple Courtney. Um, she was there when we planned this original camping trip. I actually did a podcast in October of 2021, um, after this camping trip, it was a really beautiful camping trip. Um, and she was there when we were all on discord, um, talking about getting together and like just having this camping trip. So she helped plan it and instigate it, but then she decided to end her life before we had that trip. So we kind of got together and her mom didn't want to do a funeral, which I totally respect. Um, and what I really appreciated that we did with great intention was we sat around a campfire and remembered our friend and we had we just spoke loving words about memories we had and shared with each other and that is my favorite part of the memorial process is getting the intimacy and understanding your friend through the experience and lens of other people's um remembrances and it's almost like an increased intimacy through other people and I'm also just, I don't know, there's something in me. I don't even know how to describe it other than to say, like, I can fully feel like I experienced a thing through hearing someone's story and visualizing myself in it. So in some ways, it's like I get this expanded understanding of this person through all of these great stories. Um, you know how, like, you have birthday party friends that are like, when you go to like Mackenzie's birthday party, I'm just using my friend Mackenzie as an example. Like, there's this group of friends that like I see every year at her birthday party or when I lived in New York and could go to her birthday party same people I saw at Mackenzie's wedding, right? Like it's this like group of people who all know her in these different like walks of life. But like, it's this cool like way of having intimacy and a greater experience of this person because you know more people who know this person. Um, and so that's kind of how the grief experience feels. It's like, oh, we're sharing all these memories. And like when my friend Amanda, Arcan Miss Arkansas on the Instagram, she can still go look at pictures of her. She's just stunning. Um, big, big heart friend of mine. Oh, I miss her so much. Um, and she was part of a suicide cluster in a group of friends. Um, first to leave was Tarot. Um, and the last time I saw Amanda in person was for Tarot's memorial service. Um, and what's really fun is during that memorial service, one of Tarot's very best friends said, if she never cut you off, you weren't good friends. <laughs> and she had cut me off before she passed away. So that was like a good reminder. Oh, okay. We were good friends because like there was intimacy and then she cut it off. <laughs> Um, and, uh, oh, she's just tender. And so she, and then Bryn about a little less than a year later. And then Amanda about nine months after Bryn. Um, and it was just, no, six months after Bryn. Um, the last phone call I had with Amanda was about Bryn and like what I had learned about, um, her departure. 
And all of that was just, it was so hard to lose Amanda. Um, and I didn't, I forget why I couldn't go to the like first funeral. Like it was just like right away. Um, and I think I had some reason why I could go. I don't know what it was. And then, um, and I, I really regret not going to that, just like dropping everything and going to that service. Cause sometimes you need that, that first service. When my friend Rhea passed away, uh, my bestie, Rachel, her then partner, um, like just put it on the credit card for me to come. And I'm so grateful. Cause it was like Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving weekend. It was so expensive to fly down to Atlanta, but we did it. And I'm so glad I got to go. Cause like, I needed that. I needed that ceremony. I needed the, like, see this with my own eyeballs. Cause sometimes when someone's long distance from you and they pass away, it does not feel real. And like, sometimes you need a tangible earth-based experience to let it feel real. Um, and I'll say like having a best friend with you at a funeral, I highly recommend the 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend. Um, that to me is so important. So like regretting not having my mom come to support me at my stepmom's funeral, like definitely like really appreciated having Rachel and her partner because her partner was kind of there in service to both of us helping us like deal with this tremendous um loss um Rhea was someone I went on some dates with I have a really great blog post um if you search queerfatfem.com and Rhea you'll find it it's remembering Rhea Pell Ugh, this amazing sigh oh I'm wearing my nobody ever died of awkward sweatshirt with confetti arms um, this is from my merch mall and nobody ever died of awkward is a blog post I wrote in like 2009, 2010 that got viral. And um, it was uh, advice Rachel gave me about asking Rhea on a date. And I'm glad I did because we went on many dates over several years and I loved our connection and I still feel that connection very strongly and even more strong actually now. Um, now that I'm like, she was 11 years older than me. So as I become the age that she was, she only passed, she was at 46 when she passed away, which is crazy, crazy young. Um, anyway, it's wild <laughs> to now be that age that she was when we went on dates. And I get it. I get it. I get how she was and who she was. Um, but anyway, like, I'm really glad I got to go to that funeral. I didn't get to go back down for the big memorial service, which was a month later. I wish I could have gone to that because, like, that was at the Fox Theater. Um, it had a ton of people. I mean, the first funeral had a thousand people, and it was wild to be in this, like, procession of people um, walking, like, with this, like, there was a band, um, like a horn section band. Um, it was really incredible. It was an incredible experience. I'm glad I went to that, right? So... I, I know I tell like 88 stories at once. It's just how my brain is. Um, thanks for being here, Bethies. So uh, with Amanda's uh, first funeral, I didn't get to go to it. So she, there was a memorial service similar to what happened with Rhea later that some friends put together and I was all set to go. And I drove up to San Francisco with my partner. So I had my emotional support partner coming with me. Um, and we had left um, my beloved dog, Macy and Biscuit Reynolds, the co-host of my podcast, who's chosen to stay inside. It's cold um for this episode um so macy and biscuit reynolds were under the care of some pet sitters who then um abandoned them in the middle of the night like we had some neighbors who shared our driveway who were running a meth cafe behind our house a meth cafe meaning like you know it's of course not really what they did but people would come over buy meth from them and hang out for a little while so to me it felt like cafe vibes but it was like, very stressful <laughs> to have that happening um Never trust a tweaker. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my entire life because they will always care more about meth than about you. And they will always lie to you. So because they care more about meth. 
Um, it's sad, but true, but just very real. Don't trust a tweaker. Um, so they decided they were just too freaked out. We had warned them about it. We were like, you know, these guys are a little shady, but just, you know, kind of stay out of it, blah, blah, blah. They decided to leave in the middle of the night, left our pets alone with no um, care. And so we could not figure out what to do. Um, and I, there's no way we could stay in San Francisco. So we drove home. Um, so I missed that memorial service and it was really devastating to me. But it was like that moment really taught me. I was like, okay, do I need funerals and memorial services to memorialize the people I love who have passed away? How, what function does this serve for me? Is this valuable in my grieving and mourning process? And so just it's like a question I asked myself that I mulled over. And then like in the last couple of years, I've really gotten, um, you know, those prime vans that drive past all the time. I do appreciate that they're electric vehicles. And so they're not polluting the air, but they remind me of the smoke of the death eaters from Harry Potter, like how they like shoom around. That's what it reminds me of. Cause it's just like Jeff Bezos is not good energy. Okay. Anyway. Um, for those of you listening, that was a prime van that just rolled behind me. That's one of the things about doing this podcast outside is like, is there suddenly going to be weed whacking? Is there suddenly going to be construction? Are there neighbors that are going to drive by? Maybe. Okay. So um, what were we talking about? Okay. So I got the opportunity the last couple of years um, to recognize what it meant to miss a funeral that I would have otherwise not questioned going to. Cause I think a lot of us are raised in this way where we like have to do family stuff and we have to do this thing because it's the right thing to do versus whether asking ourselves the question, is this going to serve me? Do I need to be there? Um, I learned this from my uncle Ike, which is funerals are for the living and memorials are for the living. And this was when my grandfather passed away. My, um, my grandmother's second husband, who was the only grandfather I knew on that side, uh, who's a Holocaust survivor, grandfather, David. And when he passed, we didn't have a funeral for him. We all flew, I flew in, um, from New York, but we all gathered at grandmother's house for, for a long weekend. I was there for probably about five days to just help her and be with her and help her clean out grandfather, David's study, um, and just be present with her. And it was all she needed. You know, she, she just wanted her family near, she loved her family. And um, it was a great relief for her to like no longer have to caregive for him anymore because for the last couple of years of his life, she was physically caregiving. Um, and I just remember that not being a funeral, but that being a family gathering instead. And that's really what was needed for the living. And, and, and my uncle Ike taught me that funerals are for the living at that time. And then um, uncle Ike passed away at the end of 2021 in December. And it was a semi-anticipated death because I remember in like, September, October being like, oh, I need to go visit and like wanted to go visit and was like really putting in the universe. Like, can I have the resources to go visit my family? Cause I want to spend time with my family and I wasn't able to make it happen. And then he passed away and then the funeral was coming up. My mom did offer to pay for me to go down, but I didn't feel like I could be, well, first of all, it was the Omicron wave of COVID. And like, I just felt like it wasn't worth me risking like my long-term ability to teach aerobics because it's really like my COVID caution is community care because I don't think that anyone should have to be subjected to COVID if they don't want to be. 
And I know a lot of people are choosing to be subjected to that personal choice. You go on ahead, but that's not how I want to contribute in community care. So that's part of it. But also a big part of it is it took me till I was 37 to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And it requires my body and my very functioning vascular system. So I put a lot of resources into this body and I put a lot of intention into this body. So part of COVID caution is just that I want to be able to be teaching these aerobics till I'm 99 years old, go out like Betty White, you know what I mean? Like doing the thing that I'm here to do. Um, so I chose not to go. Uh, my mom and Pat did go. They masked the whole time. They were the good N95 masks and they did not get COVID. Thank God. Right. Even though my cousin, like, I think she told me like during the service between the service and the after party, um, was like, she found out she had been COVID exposed, even though she didn't get COVID, but, um, it's just funny, right? Like how these things like are like all these bullets dodged. It's very much like a Mario game of like trying to avoid, um, getting infected. Um, so then my uncle ex-wife, my aunt Sherry, um, got diagnosed with lung cancer this summer. And what's really wild is my grandmother got diagnosed with lung cancer and she passed away three months later. It was very fast. Um, and like she had one chemo treatment, ended up in the hospital, then went to a rehab facility, then went to assisted living because she wasn't getting better. And a rehab facility only keeps you if you're getting better. Otherwise you go somewhere else. And so she had to go to assisted living and went on hospice. And then she was there for a month and passed away. And I was in grand denial about her passing away until about five days before she died. And I realized, oh shit, she's really dying. Um, and I wish I had done more learning about the death process, the physical process of what your body goes through when you pass away. Um, cause there's a lot of tells, um, and um, if you're in denial about it, I think there was a little, a little bit of spiritual bypassing. Like my ex and I were very like positive vibes only kind of. Um, and now I think I'm just, in many ways, I think it was bypassing um, the experience of uncertainty. And so in many ways, if you th only think positive, you're creating a false sense of security and certainty versus just being present for what is and being okay with whatever it is, because you know, you have an internal sense of safety that will never leave you. If you just go looking for it, it's already in there. It's what you find when you meditate. It's like, that's the piece inside. And as long as you keep building that muscle, I think you can keep showing up toe to toe with risk and keep taking risk and emotional risk and all of those things. Because if you don't risk love, you never experience love. Um, if you've ever been in a love relationship, somebody took a risk to ask somebody else out. Somebody took a risk to have a define the relationship conversation, right? There's always risk present in love. And if you're not willing to take the risk, you're just missing out on love and what's possible for you if you have secure attachment and like how you amplify yourself in the world. I'm really obsessed with Brandy Carlyle right now. I wrote a great blog post about queerfatfem.com, Brandy Carlyle. You'll see my thoughts on her and like how I fell in love uh, with her just she's so incredible and like I think something that she does and I'm studying very acutely is um, creates emotional safety and emotional security with her family network because she's like adopted this set of twins that are like like literally Brandy Carlisle TM is three people and it's her and these two twins and she's a double Gemini so it's like perfect that she keeps absorbing twins into her band but like she had, and she like invites people to come live on her compound with her. She lives only 120 miles that way. So I look forward to her inviting me over. Brandy Carlyle, if you're listening, please produce my next aerobics video. Sweat into the oldies prom version remake with Bevan and a live band. I think you'd be perfect. Okay. Um, all that to say, like, uh, emotional safety is that thing that, um, we're always looking for with certainty. And in fact, you can just have emotional safety without certainty. 
Um, so I didn't realize my grandmother was dying until five days before she did. Um, but it was like, really like, it was just like all this curative desire around her cancer. And then suddenly realizing, oh, we can't cure it. Um, we've just got to accept it and like make the best of the time we have left. Um, so I wish I had, there's a great book. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a book I'm reading right now about death and dying just that I picked up when we knew. Cause so my aunt went in for her first chemo treatment and then went right to the hospital the next day. It was like two days. It was like one day earlier than my grandmother. And then like, but she passed away. Like it was like a third of the time. It's like, take what happened with grandmother and like truncated to a third of the time. And it was just whiplash and like her passing away. Like, I wish I could have been at the funeral in many ways, but like, I didn't have the money to go. My mom did offer to pay, but like, I didn't feel, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to let my mom pay for it. Um, and I also felt like I couldn't take the precautions I wanted. Another wave of COVID came through and like, it just felt like, oh, if I can't drive down there and I can't like have my own space, like it just feels like it's too risky. Um, and I also kind of knew that like, I didn't need it. You know what I mean? In the way that like, I kind of, I definitely needed it with Rhea because um, the transition was so fast. I knew that because I live here with my mother, I was going to be able to process the grieving and the grief with my mom. Um, and what I really want more than, um, like the going to the funeral experience is time with my cousins, you know, time with the people that have been left behind um, because of this sudden death. Um, that's different than you get when you have a big party, you know what I mean? Like, and I always, I have to say this, like the party after the funeral, I know that is totally some people's jam, not for me. I remember <laughs> Rhea's funeral, there was a party after the funeral and it was like, the funeral was really meaningful to me. And then me and uh, Rach and her then partner, uh, went out for a meal and then we went to the wake and like, um, I kind of wish we had waited for the wake to eat food. Cause I didn't realize how much barbecue was going to be at the wake. Just saying there's a lot of good barbecue there. Um, but it was just so much drinking and rabble rousing. And even at the time I was the nightlife producer. So it wasn't like drinking was uncomfortable for me. Cause it's like, eh, I can be around people who are drinking. It's not the worst thing, but it isn't the greatest thing for me when I'm having feelings, you know what I mean? Like to be around a bunch of drunk people, I feel like I have to have my walls up. And I mean, I haven't drank for 11 years. So I was already like two years into not drinking, um, at that point. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Two years into not drinking. It's been nine years, almost 10 years but since Rhea's passing. Um, but yeah, it, it was just weird and hard. And it's like, I don't want to be around a bunch of sad people who are drinking and wilding out. Like that is just okay for me to have, like, not for me. It's okay. Like there's, you know, no wrong way to be a person. There's no wrong way to grieve. There's no wrong way to have your feelings. And there's no wrong way to feel about the wake. Right. And like, I know that for some people, they love that kind of stuff. And that's your yum. You go on ahead and enjoy it. But I just want to go home and cozy up with my Taurus bestie in a bunch of blankets and like watch TV, you know, and like just decompress from the funeral, which was so much. Right. So I just decided like not to go to my aunt's funeral because I was like, I don't really care for funerals. And I would rather spend quality time with my cousins processing grief later on. Like my real dream is to like get a house and around Palm Springs where my grandmother lived and like hang out with them for a weekend or a week or whatever we can do um, and just connect because that's really what matters to me is like funerals are for the living and I really did I considered their feelings and I considered how I could connect with them in a way that like felt nourishing and meaningful so I wrote them cards and like my thoughtfulness is always far more in my head than it is in my actions but I'm allowing grace for myself to continue to develop my actions so that 
I can continue to be the kind of thoughtful person that I want to be in the world and how I want to show up in the world. So I'm getting better and better at sending cards and I'm getting better and better at sending random notes to people. Um, I really feel like snail mail for love connections. is just such a beautiful way to do, but even just a text, like, here's the thing. If you have a friend in your life or a loved one who's grieving, send them texts that say you're thinking about them. And another way to help people who are grieving, I'm sure I've done a podcast episode about helping people who are grieving. And if I haven't, I will. Um, but another great thing to do is just to give them tangible ways you can support. Um, grief is something that really eats your brain capacity um, because you're processing a big change in your life, especially if it's someone who was in your day-to-day life. Um, and a parent loss is like, even with my dad who like, you know, I there's a great podcast episode I did. I'm going to say great just because I haven't listened to it again. Sometimes I publish something that's so vulnerable. I can never listen to it again. It's just, oh, I can't, but it's there. And I get a lot of emails from people that it's been helpful to them. By the way, I want to hear if you care about what I write and you want to send me some like feedback about a way I need affirmation. That's part of who I am as a person. So if you want to send me like ways in which things have helped you tangibly, please fatkiddanceparty at gmail.com. You can always send me a note. I don't do a lot of comment moderation in the world because I don't want to have another job that's comment moderation, but um, I love it, especially like with my blog. I don't have comments on, on my blog for that same reason, but I want to hear that my work matters to you and that has helped. So I've gotten a lot of messages and notes from people that that episode has helped them. So my dad never had a funeral for him, you know, and like I have done some great grieving with that. Um, so anyway, something that has, that helps, um, uh, or that, that I realized in that process is that like grieving, like your brain is using 70% of your calories, full stop, like just on a regular lifestyle. Right. But if you're someone who's like academically rigorous, if you're like in a thing where you're learning stuff, um, or if you're just a lifelong learner like me, or you're really putting your nervous system to the test, like you need to do things that nourish your brain, right? Like you need to be calorizing, like giving calories to your brain to function. And so that's like, I think why it's always been a thing that you bring food to people who are grieving. So bring it, finding out their dietary restrictions and bringing them nourishing food that they can put in the freezer and then pull out when they don't have capacity to like figure out how to feed themselves. Um, that's a great way to help support grieving folks. And another thing is just like notes of like, these are ways I can support you or any of these things something that you need right now just like telling them how you can support them versus just saying how can I support you that's like someone who has lowered brain function because they're grieving asking them to do work instead of allowing them a break from the work of living because life is a lot and we're meant to be like physically wired to be in interdependent communities of 150 to 200 people and um, absent that we're just taking on so much that it grinds us to the ground this is where capitalism isn't grand for our physical bodies. Um, okay, so those are my thoughts on funerals. Um, bring me my flowers now while I'm living. Uh, that's my invitation to you. This is what I want for my funeral, nothing. I want you to have loved me so completely in this lifetime that you do not need a funeral um, to memorialize me. Spend your money on me now. I am a totally crowdfunded, supported artist. And so if my work is meaningful to you, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-K-D-P, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. Rule number two of class is we cheer for awkward because nobody ever died of awkward. 
And I want to support you just being the best you can be. And everything that you want is on the other side of your comfort zone. So getting okay with awkward is getting okay with uncertainty. It's getting okay with vulnerability. It's getting okay with risking what you want in life. And that's what I'm here to support. And I will tell you, I need the support of everyone who loves me in order to keep going. And this is why I'm able to do this podcast is because of my Patreon supporters. Thank you. Um, you can also just buy me a coffee. You can buy me something from my Amazon wish list. Um, all the links are in the show notes. Um, and I love and appreciate all the support right now. I do not want you to spend your money on me when I die. I want you to spend your money on me now so that I can do and amplify and just be here for people who don't get it yet, you know, and just keep creating um, my end of life plan. My friend, Michael Anthony, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, um, is my next of kin for Fat Kid Dance Party. So the idea is the money that now presently supports me and supports the um, maintenance of my epic digital archives, which is like all my pictures and my blog posts, like my blog costs hundreds of dollars a year just to have it. Um, and like all of it, right? Like all of those. And then all the videos for Fat Kid Dance Party aerobics, I've got like I've got at least 200 in the vault. So like people can work out with me from now until the end of time, as long as someone is maintaining those archives. So the money that supports me now will go uh, shift over to maintaining the archives. Michael Anthony is going to run it. Um, and then, you know, I'll probably have a backup for Michael Anthony too. Uh, but that's my plan, right? So like, again, bring me my flowers now. Don't bother having a funeral. If you want to have a funeral and memorial, please make it something that is very low cost, right? Like do not throw a lot of like uh, the Lucinda Williams song, fancy funeral. Like you don't need to spend all that money. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, I, again, I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. If you want to have a fancy funeral, you go on ahead. This is Bevan's preference for me. My preference now, bring me my flowers now while I'm living. That is something I learned from Tanya Tucker. Um, speaking of my love for Brandy Carlisle, who also co-wrote that song with her twins, like, and won a Grammy for best country song for that song. Oh, it's such a good song. Um, and it is the sentiment I'm living right now. Like I need the support now. I don't need the support when I'm dead and gone. Like when I'm dead and gone, I want it to go and support the the world. I want to be, be decomposed by mushrooms and put into a tree that can then just mother the world. And then I'm gone and you can remember me through loving stories and things that do not cost money. So that's my preference. Love you all so much. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you tune in again, like subscribe, share. It all helps. Um, but just know that I think that you are incredibly worthy of love exactly as you are. All bodies are worthy of love exactly as they are. There's nothing you need to do to be worthy. Love you. <laughs>